This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we are live on the air with Project P, and we talked to you before, and we're talking to you again. We're glad to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, well, things have changed, I think, since the last time we talked. <laughs> the world has changed a bit, but uh, we're still working on our music, and you're still doing what you do, and I'm doing what I do. And uh, we just have to get a little business out of the way before we get into the primary interview. But we are now sponsored um, by uh, a company out of Germany called Double Jack Online. And they are a phil philanthropic online lottery. And what they do is um, they allow you to play Kino and Powerball, and then percentage of the profit go, go to charity. And um, so it's a cool thing. So you get to you get to do like some kind of online gaming, but you also get to be um, you know, helping out causes. So that's kind of interesting. So we, we just like to, you know, announce who they are uh, and we'll show their, their overlay here. And if you actually just take your cell phone and scan that, you can get into it and find out if you want to you know, play double jack online. But now that that's out of the way, we'll get to the main interview and we'll talk to you about what you've been doing since the last time we talked to you, which was a while ago before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, wait, I feel like we did have another one earlier this year. Didn't we? Yeah, we might have talked to, it, to you earlier, too, maybe in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I've been working on before March 2020 was I was just trying to, I guess, work on my producing skills. And then uh, earlier this year, um, I kind of started to figure out a workflow that helped me um, write songs faster, make songs faster. And so, yeah. And so now I am kind of transitioning, not completely away from electronic music, but I'm exploring more heavily R&B inspired beats. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that right up. So. So are you getting more into like uh, like soul or neo soul or traditional soul or kind of modern soul? I would say, yeah, like R and B soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but still, so, I I um I still design a lot of synths for it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because a lot of soul music, you know, if you get from Maxwell to Prince, you know, even going back to um, you know, if you get to like. Uh, uh, Marvin Gaye, you know, there, there's sense on that stuff, there's sense on some of the, his later work. So, you know, sense have always kind of been involved at some big, man, Stevie Wonder, big synth head. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I think it's like a, when you become a songwriter, I think you start to explore forms that give you more of a, a way to actually express a song. And did you find that like R&B is more, um, you're able to express a song idea in R&B than like straight electronic. Is that, is that what started to happen? Yeah, that, and I kind of get into these phases where I, I listen to a certain genre and I think I kind of got back into my R&B phase. Although my last R&B phase was more nineties R&B, but mm -hmm. this phase is more contemporary. Contemporary, so started, so was, yeah. like, like 2021 R&B, not like 1970s R&B. Right. <laughs> Not yeah. Curtis Mayfield, <laughs> funkadelic type of stuff. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Like as, as I get into the music I do, I, I, I change my workflow too. I actually, 
I've been very much a person that's like not into the DAW. Um, I've been like very hardware analog focused most of my career, just because it's kind of what I like to do. And then this year I kind of bit the bullet and I got an Akai Force. So now I can actually do clip-based stuff, but I still didn't want to use a PC. So I'm kind of using like this MPC type of thing where they stand alone. Mm. Um, but it's a totally different workflow than what I'm used to. And it, it changed. So like when you started finding new tools, did it really change like your, you said you made your workflow easier. So you found a different method of how to, how to construct stuff and then you, you went to a different genre. Yeah. So, well, I didn't actually get any new equipment, at least not yet. I, mm -hmm. I requested some stuff for Christmas. So I have a Christmas <laughs> wish list and most of it is producing gear. Uh, so hopefully I get new, new gear soon, but it was actually just, I guess, um, really getting into the mixing workflow. Oh, and yeah, that yeah. can really radically change your music. Yeah, exactly. So I still use Ableton. I still use um, all this, the stuff that I use. I have the same monitors, the same um, the same MIDI keyboard that I use. It's just my workflow that has really changed. Yeah, because I started discovering, um, because now I can do clip-based stuff, that like in the analog world, everything is kind of like you physically have to have a pedal or a box. Mm -hmm. if you want to do something but in this kind of modern DAW world like you could go and grab a compressor you could grab like effects you can download effects you can download other things so once you start playing like oh i can do a spring reverb or i could go do a space echo or i could do and then you can radically change a mix because you could have something straight and then say well that was really not interesting right and then suddenly you put a different effect on something and it totally radically changes that sound. Um, and again, depending on how detailed you get in your mixing, you can like start to really change the the way your music sounds based on like choices that you make in production. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of reverb, I, I've heard really good things about Valhalla reverb. Oh, you like um, that? Well, I still haven't um, invested in that one. Right now, I just use an Ableton stock reverb. Um, but I definitely want to get into more plugins that are specifically for those effects. Yeah, I, I just really finally, cool. my, my Akai Force has all these plugins. And so you can do like four plugins at, at once. And then for my analog workflow, I've got a real Moog analog spring reverb. So I can actually run things into a f analog reverb. Um, and then I've got some like analog delays. And so <clears throat> it's, it's interesting because like an old synth technique is like if you take an old, like a Roland or a synth, a hardware synth, you run it through like a stop box. You go buy the same kind of pedals the guitarist has. And if you run them through those pedals, you can chain them. And then you could have tons of different things affecting your, your synth. And then it, it radically sounds, it becomes like your own sound because like everybody might have that synth, but then the choice you make of how you routed it through all these effects suddenly changes the sound to kind of like a custom sound, which is kind of like, I think every producer wants to get that custom sound unless you like cloning other people's stuff. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, definitely it helps to um, create a unique sound, layering different plugins and effects. 
Cause you you also like sell like like um sounds like you 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 sell like online. I've seen like you advertise that you sell like packages. Maybe talk about that. I haven't actually sold any yet. I gave oh, them away for free. Oh, oh, you give them away. I know you have packs, but I didn't realize if you were selling or or, or you just like offer. Yeah, right now I just give them away every time I do a release. I release the sample pack of all of the samples that I used in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely do want to uh, sell my sample packs in the future. I just want to have some that are not from my releases, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think if you if you do that, then you might start getting copyright strikes on your own stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like the big problem today. Because like, mm-hmm. like sometimes like I'll go do a show, and it's my song, and then YouTube mm-hmm. will say copyright claim. Like, well, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Talking. To, I'm on my own show, and I got a copyright, and I have to go challenge it. So didn't you realize like that's my song? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, like it, it's not anybody else's song. It's my song. <laughs> that's just right. the way the world is. It's like you have to go into all this paperwork to prove your song is yours. And it's like, well, I'm on screen singing my own song. And you thought it was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, it does um, happen. It, it does. It happens to me a lot because I, I do a lot of live performing of my own material. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy today because the algorithms don't care. They're just like, oh, you're playing something. Yep, well, flagged. <laughs> it's like your stuff. <laughs> yeah that's it's like, annoying it's, like, it's very annoying but um let's look everybody like listen to uh actually you know watch your video we're gonna put this up so people get a good idea of what you sound like so i'm just gonna set that up for a second so we're gonna go into fantasy and then we'll talk a little bit about it after okay all right. i'll put you on mute and then we'll play it and then we'll come back all right all right Thank you. 
So that was fantasy, and we're back online. Now you can hear me, right? You're back. Yep. You're back. Yeah. <laughs> we always want to make sure we get transition right. But um, yeah. So that's a that that's that video. Maybe talk about the video and how you put it together, and then also talk about the song, and um, you know, anything about it that you think your fans would be um interested in, and how you came about developing the video and the song. Sure. So I can start with the video. Um, I had a video editor um, create that for me. Oh, wow. Um, so that's custom. That's like, that was customized for that song. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. I think this, yeah, I believe this was the first, no, sorry. I, I've had two other songs that were also done by video editors. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so this one is the third one. I do do like post production effects mm -hmm. on it after they send it to me. So I usually do get to work on it a little bit. Oh, so um, you do some video work too? Yes, I do. Usually. Cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, 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 I kind of dabble in that myself. But um, I think it's just cool like when you're in, you know, a creative person, if you can be involved in your video, or your artwork for the projects that you work on as a musician, artist, it's kind of like the full package, you know, back in the day when people had vinyl, you know, a lot of artists would participate with the photographers and the artists on their album covers and all the liner notes. And now videos are kind of like that for this age, you know, now we have videos. So, you know, back then you had the liner note or the pictures or whatever came with it. And now you've got this, um, you know, ability to, you know, have a director or producer help you or you combined with them an idea so it's interesting so did you kind of um have a storyboard or kind of let the person interpret your song well so i actually um as you saw there were lyrics um that i wrote so this is actually the first this is the first time i've written lyrics for a song or like in general mm -hmm. um so i I had the lyrics, so I kind of already knew what the song was going to be about. So I just told um, the editor my ideas and I told them, you know, what kind of song it was and to, you know, kind of, I kind of gave them free reign. Mm -hmm. They kind of put it where, yeah, because that's, that's the one thing with it when you're working with film directors, they like, they'll interpret what, you know, like you can go and tell them like every little thing and then they kind of look at you like, you know, I'm, I'm a director. I'm going to kind of do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think it's like artists are like, you know, just let me do my thing. <laughs> but, but I think every artist is like, is going to want to put their little stamp on it too. So it's kind of like, well, how do you have that synergy? So you're not stepping on each other's toes. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just good to let somebody have free reign. Cause if like, if you're sitting there with every second when somebody's working on it, then that becomes like, Oh, I don't know if they enjoy this. <laughs> right, exactly. But um, I think it's interesting that so so these lyrics that you came up with, did you imagine that, that at some point somebody would ever um, actually sing the lyrics? Yeah, so when I was, so it's funny because I talked about my mixing workflow and mm -hmm. how it helps me write songs faster. So although I released, I released Fantasy, I believe at the beginning of this month, November, I wrote that in June. I wrote it all the way back in June. So mm -hmm. it was pretty much mixed, yeah, around June, July. And I'm only releasing it now. So I feel like the way, yeah, that that part of it is like, yeah, I wrote the lyrics, but 
I feel like I'm better at writing lyrics now that it's mm-hmm. been a few months since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, sorry, I think I lost my train of thought. What was your question again? <laughs> I guess, I guess if, would you ever think they're having like a feature of somebody actually singing, like be a vocalist come in and actually take your lyrics and add like a vocal? Right. Okay. So, so for that one, I kind of just, yeah, I came up with the lyrics. I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm not sure who's going to sing this. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of um, searching on YouTube and I was like, well, what, what would taking vocal lessons look like? And then I started kind of exploring that and I found a really good channel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I tried some of the exercises myself and I was like, I think I would benefit from taking one-on-one lessons. Oh, cool. So you are thinking as a singer songwriter, eventually using your own voice on your own material. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was the goal. Yeah, I think that like, it, it took me a long time. Can I understand it? Because like, I'm, I've been a keyboardist since I was 17. I only started singing in 2016 and I'm 54. So it took me a long time. <laughs> I, I never sang on anything until 2016. And then suddenly I've got all this stuff I've done as the ghost. But it's like before that, I was just like, I'm just a player, right? I'm a producer. I'm a player. I'm not going to sing. I left it to other people. But then I found like when you're a producer, it ends up becoming like something that you end up having to do. They Like when you're a songwriter, eventually you'll find your voice and find a way to put your voice on your own material it's kind of like that classic singer songwriter thing because there's something about even if you're not pitch perfect like you know you're not i'm not marvin gay you know people are whitney houston but it, there's something about when somebody sings their own song there's like an honesty to it and you don't necessarily have to be the best singer in the world but if you have that that feeling that you know it's your it's your song so you own it i think that's what comes across and so Sometimes like you don't have to worry about being as perfect as possible, but you just have to be able to, does it convey the emotion? And if it conveys the emotion, then it's like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It just, it felt like, even though at the time now I've been taking vocal lessons since July. So now I, even though I'm not exactly where I, I want to be, obviously, mm-hmm. I am at a point now where I can imagine myself on future tracks. But before, okay. I, I still really couldn't, but it it felt right for me to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, you know, not anytime soon, but in the future, it still felt right for me to do it, which is why I went forward with the classes. Well, I think that's great because I, 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 it, there's something about a singer-songwriter that's like I, most of my interviews are with singer-songwriters. I don't really deal with people who are, you know, j- are just vocalists that sing other people's song. I tend to deal with like in, in the indie field, no matter what genre, um, it's like people who write their own music, whether it's instrumental or not. But the, it, it's something about that that I think is is very interesting to me as a music fan. I've always been interested in in the kind of underground music and um, independent or college radio growing up that that's where I found the stuff that I really was was digging because I know the top 40 is cool, but there's a lot of interesting things happening in the, you know, emerging artists. I think that's where emerging, because that's where like if you're a musician, you want to see what's really going on. You check the underground, you check SoundCloud, you check 
you know, all these places where there's new artists coming out. And, uh, you know, it's not always what what is uh, considered to be, um, you know, in, in the top tiers of our industry. But there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening and it ends up eventually getting to the top. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of, you know, things come out of nowhere, you know, your hip hop. He get, you know, now you get, you know, he had grunge, he came out of nowhere, but he really didn't. I mean, he came out of punk, came out of rock. There's different things that come, you know, you get, you know, mumble rap. There's always some new aspect of something coming. And, you know, if you want to kind of be on a heartbeat of it, you got to check out where the emerging artists are. Yeah, true. Very true. So, so, so a lot of this um, new kind of direction, is there a, a project associated with your new kind of soul, uh, modern soul, R&B tech? Um, is there an album or an EP you're going toward or are you working toward individual singles? Uh, I think for now, I did have a an album idea, mm-hmm. but I think for now I'm going to continue releasing singles because doing yeah. a whole album is a lot of, uh, it's a lot of energy. Well, I, think it, I think it's a good strategy because I, what I see is like there used to be this kind of thing. It's it going kind of still is, is out there in the industry. You get some people whose producer would say, well, I'm going to spend like six months trying to make the perfect song that's going to get into the top 10. And then you put all your energy into that. But then it's kind of like, that's all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> right. And, you know, unless you're working with some big, big producer that's going to guarantee that it's going to break through. Then the, the other strategy is to kind of like, well, I'm going to write singles and try to do my best work on, on single projects and then put them out on a regular basis so I can keep my fans engaged. Mm-hmm. And you get better with every single. Yeah. And I think it's like if you just spend all your time six months working on one thing, it's kind of like, you know, like Born to Run, like Bruce Springsteen spent like six months building a wall of sound for like that song. I mean, that's a really good effort, but it's like that band got burned out. And they're mm-hmm. like, like, they're like, what the heck? <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, so you can do that, but then you kind of like, you, you might deal with like the, the, the consequence of doing that, that your band doesn't want to talk to you for like a month because <laughs> you burned them out. <laughs> yeah. But, really um, true. And another thing too, that I was, um, cause I, I do listen to a lot of music marketing, um, YouTube videos and podcasts and things like that. Another kind of strategy with releasing singles is that um, kind of having to do with fans, your fans or people who might become your fans are more likely to um, invest time into listening to one song rather than a whole album. So I feel like if I was to release an entire album, my, my fan base is not that big. Yeah. So it's most likely people are not going to listen all the way through. Whereas, you know, they can they can probably invest time into one single and they're probably more likely to invest their time into one song, one three, four minute song than an entire like 30 minute hour long album. Yeah, it's just the, the attention span of the typical fan. And then also the fact that you can you can kind of send it to playlist and try to get playlisted and try to get placed into like, um, you know, into like a sync licensing and different things with a single easier than a whole album. <clears throat> and then from like, if you're successful with like sync licensing, if suddenly you can get your thing into a jingle or get it into Twitch or, you know, cause I'm part of BMI. After many years, I was like, well, I'm gonna make sure I got my pro 
BMI stuff taken care of. So he like you license your material. And I went and got like a bunch of my songs licensed for Twitch users. So then they can just, I can get like, you know, passive income if anybody goes on Twitch and uses it. So, so there's different ways that you can, as an artist, you can, you know, you have to look at different means, like getting music licensed for video games, getting into short advertisements, working with different, you know, influencers. It tends to be the because musicians, you know, we don't get paid a lot of money for streaming. And we can't play in venues as much now. And so we have to find other ways to, you know, to get income in playlisting or, you know, sing licensing and different things or, you know, what we have to do to kind of be able to, to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Really true. But one thing I did this year, which I'm not sure if you're going to be into, but we're doing, uh, we did this peg um, music festival in July where we had like a bunch of podcast guests actually play live um, um, from, you know, the, the whole criteria was anybody who had been interviewed on the show on September, on Jan July 16th through 18th, we had this concert where people did 20 minute sets from their bedroom producer. Uh, it was called a bedroom producer festival and people did it like from stages or from their bedroom or from a garage or from the basement. We're doing it again in um, February. And so anybody, like we're asking all of our guests, that, well, you want to participate. One, one of the ways we participate is that not everybody played live. <clears throat> some people just gave us video. So some people went and they produced a video and it was either like, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes of video material. And then we actually ran that during the festival. So it's potentially something that you might want to be interested in. It's just a way to get your music out there to, to our audience. And, you know, we've got, a bigger audience now some of our podcasts are hitting like a, at least a thousand views per podcast so you know that's that's good for us <laughs> but um we're always trying to do better um so you can let us know if you'd be into that because we think uh, musicians having a hard time playing <clears throat> and that's the question like if you you know because of the pandemic you're probably not playing live shows anywhere but have you done any kind of like online events or, or you mostly do video and do it that way or have you ever thought of doing anything online um yeah i have not done any kind of performances i'm actually i'm trying to work on my piano skills mm -hmm. right now and i think i might have mentioned this on instagram but along with the vocal lessons i've been taking um i have a friend who i met a couple months ago who is a musician too Mm -hmm. and potentially um we we okay so we've been kind of getting together and we've been working on some like duo like a pro duo you're gonna make a like a band like a duo like hall and oats <laughs> something like that <laughs> no, it's, it's like, well, that's kind of like the big duo everybody knows like what's a duo is like hall and oats or the everly brothers we you know when I mean, you get two people together but um uh yeah uh yeah that'd be cool so mm -hmm. I, I'm always into seeing how, like, you know, be, I because I'm a musician first, like I was in bands before I ever like did my own thing. And mm -hmm. I was always in like rock bands or punk bands or like synth bands, new wave bands. And um, there's something about working with other people. Like you can be like your singer songwriter, you have your own stuff. But anytime I ever worked with another artist or worked with like four guys in a band, it was really cool because like you never know how something's going to come out. Like if somebody brings something to the practice and then suddenly 
you create something else, right? Somebody coming, I might have a line and then the guitar player came in and said, oh, I like that Moog line, let me boom, and then start doing a chord arrangement. And it's just a really interesting process. So I think once you have two creative people together and then where you're three or you're four, it becomes a whole thing. So I think, it, it, so you find it very interesting or like something you want to do? Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, so um, kind of back to me transitioning more into R&B, producing mm -hmm. R&B tracks. So I've, I've been writing some stuff and usually when I, when I write, I don't necessarily bounce my ideas off of other people. I used to, especially when I was first producing, um, just to get that feedback. Um, but I, I guess I've kind of shied away from that because, you know, people are busy and I don't want to mm -hmm. always be sending my mixes, especially because I'm writing songs a lot faster now. Mm -hmm. I'll have like four things that I could potentially send to somebody. But um, my friend, he actually really he likes listening to my mixes and he'll actually give me feedback, like That's really awesome. good feedback. Cause he has his own, his own taste, his own ear mm -hmm. and his feedback is actually like, I take his feedback. Oh, that's, the start I, of, that's the start of a duo. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the start. Like when you finally, like when I, when I kind of, when I was growing up, it's like, I, I, I had these guys, I, you know, they knew I could play. And then it was like, it was the guy who was a bass player. The guy who was a drummer. Another guy who was a guitar player. And they said, well, we need a keyboardist. And the only Keith's doing that all the time. So it's like, 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 but it's the feedback because like I, I'm a songwriter. So, cause I, so I'll, I'll kind of alpha, I'll go in and I'll try to write the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the guys were like, no, 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 no. Like, like, let's do this baseline. Let's do this part. That maybe we don't like that arrangement, but it's like, kind of like, like when you find out like that you can feed off other people and it generates other ideas and that feedback is really important. I think when you're a musician, like you grow more, the more people you play with, the better you get. That's what I found over the years. Like the more, the different types of people I ended up playing with actually taught me how to play better. Yeah, for sure. So like, for example, uh, I had this, yeah, this arrangement that I was working on. And of course, you know, I, I wrote the whole thing. That, that's typically what I do. I'm, I'll write the whole thing. I think this was the first or the second one that I showed him. And he was like, you know, I really like this, but this section, it feels really repetitive. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of listened again. I was like, you know what? You're right. You know, I'll take that out or I'll mix it up somehow. So it's, it's really valuable. Yeah. It's just like when you have a producer, because a lot of times, like if you're a single musician, you run into a producer and the producer helps you like make the right choices. And when you have the right producer, they don't like make you sound like them. They enhance how you sound. Like when mm -hmm. you run into a really good producer, like you get to stay, you know, Project P, but you get better. You know, you he, he they listen to what you're doing and they embellish it, but it's still like Project P. It's like your demo, but then your demo sounds like, wow. But it doesn't radically change to like what they sound like, unless you choose to do that. <laughs> There's some right. people that go to producers and they have a certain style and that's what they go with, and they don't—they're not them anymore. They went with that producer. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the the style when somebody just embellishes somebody's original song because, it's like, a lot of times, like a singer songwriter has such a unique vision that if they, the vision gets gets stomped on by like a more uh, alpha type of person, and they say, "Well, I like the voice, but I don't like anything else," <laughs> you know, then they kind of just 
mold you and it's like it depends like what you want as a musician do you want to get molded or do you want to like have an evolution of your sound and i think it's like the musicians who kind of stick to their guns and say well i really have a certain vision right and i want to just get better but i don't want to like throw out 90 percent of my vision just to get that one big hit mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of like you gotta make a choice <laughs> I guess it's degrees of how much you do that. Right, true. And his feedback, it didn't change the song at mm -hmm. all. It was still, it still had the still um, you. initial. Yeah, it was still me. It was still the the essence of the song, which was kind of like a a slow, slower BPM, really relaxed vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, he just really had that feedback on that one section. And that honestly, that that's an instrumental for something that I intend to put vocals on. And I think having it be more simple will be better mm -hmm. because the, the vocals will really stand out more. So yeah, it was really yeah. good feedback. It is a, it, it's interesting. Like if I, I did nothing, I, most of my career I was like instrumental, right? I didn't have vocals. Mm -hmm. Most of my stuff was like soundscapes, like progressive stuff, like yes, kind of Genesis, like soundscapes without any lyrics. Mm -hmm. and then once I started having to put lyrics on things, I was like, well, I had to change the way I played. Cause then I had to like, okay, I actually have to try to make this more digestible, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, into the audience. Cause like you could do this progressive stuff. You could end up doing these big long jams like Funkadelic or, or like, you know, like seventies stuff, but like, it, it's not a song. It's like a jam or it's a big long piece, but you can't actually, you gotta, you get, it's a different set of talent when you have to actually try to get something work to work with lyrics and a hook and you know it's, it's a totally different thing and it makes you work in a different way did you find that compared to like when you're doing you like electronic music and then you want to put things that actually have vocals that it starts you know you start being paying more attention to like okay i don't have to go full bore on this instrumentation because there's a vocal coming in and i gotta leave room for it mm -hmm. well i haven't actually added vocals to anything yet because mm -hmm. I don't think I or, or my friend are quite ready for that stage mm -hmm. we're still really training and practicing uh covers together before we write our own originals but um I I can see that now and I understand it so I try now a lot of my instrument uh, a lot of my instrumentals are going mm -hmm. to be a lot more simple they're going to be yeah. much more simple and yeah, I'm still going to, yeah, I'm still going to release my instrumentals just because um, I, I want to keep it going in terms of my creativity. Well, you but, probably have yeah. an audience that likes that type of work. Like when I first start, when I was working, that like people just knew me for my instrumentals and I, mm -hmm. I lost some of the people that like my instrumentals when I introduced my, my other music, but then I gained more people by doing the vocals than I ever had with my instrumentals. Yeah. So, you know, like, okay, well, if you guys leave, I actually got more doing the other thing. So it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I kind of eventually had a balance where I was doing like 50-50 and then it went to like 80-20 and then it's like 95-5. Yeah. Because <laughs> eventually, <laughs> like once you get like your voice and you get that, and then you tend to kind of stay in that if it was working. You know, and so like the, that's what ends up happening. At least it happened to me. But I think a lot of times, like when you transition to like trying to, 
to get into a different genre or, or introducing your voice. It um, there's a lot of work in that. So you eventually, you know, it becomes like one, one path. But yeah, you always like to keep the other things open. Like I think I think one of the things today is um, there's so many different ways to do music. So a kind of combination of like electro and R and B is or or electronic and R and B. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of room for that in the same kind of like if you'd add an album, you still might want instrumentals to kind of in between like the vocals. Cause it's right. something that you're known for and maybe that would work as like an EP. Right, exactly. Exactly. Cause like one of the things I love about like um EPs and albums is that you can do things that you can't do in a single. So then like you like in your case, you could still have instrumentals in between vocal type of songs. Mm-hmm. And then having like a theme that's kind of similar, you know, where they kind of put them together. That's the whole idea of an EP or an album is this doesn't have to be a concept, but there's something about it that makes it a project. Yeah, that's true. Actually, one, uh, one, uh, I guess, song or, or old track that I wrote that I think I'll put lyrics on. I actually took us two pretty huge sections of that track. And it's just instrumental. It just doesn't feel right to put vocals there. So it's kind of half vocals, half instrumentals. And I feel like I'm gonna let my friend listen to that one, but I feel like it it still works. Like it doesn't all have to contain lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's like a lot of a lot of music by like one of the, my favorite like progressive bands, like yes, they have these big long eight, 10 minute, 15 minute songs and they'll have like a vocal section and then it goes on to like a classical type of thing where it goes on for like five minutes with no vocals at all. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of progressive rock, you know, Pink Floyd, Jazz says, yes, they, they have songs like this where they'll have like a theme and then they'll kind of go into other time signatures and they it change like a suite of songs. And it's like, they, they sometimes they don't have any vocals for a long period of time. And then it will come back or go into a different structure. It's like multiple songs kind of strung together. Mm-hmm. And like the Beatles were known for that. Like if you listen to Abbey Road, they had stuff where it was like multiple short songs tied together and then have instrumental sections with no vocals. It's kind of a, they were kind of, a, that album was very progressive. You know, when they went to do Abbey Road, they kind of went and it's kind of like a preview of what the 70s ended up being. It was like a lot of these albums that were, had like very interesting you know, the kind of ideas of mixing genres and mixing time signatures, mixing all these things is kind of like an old, old school way of being progressive. But it seems to be coming back from some some people who are doing it in hip hop, where they have like these like rock operas. I mean, Tyler the Creator is known for creating these kind of. I was just gonna say that Tyler yeah, the Creator like, comes to mind. <laughs> he, he he does a lot of the techniques. They're like nineteen seventies progressive. You know, it's like Funkadelic and Pink Floyd. And, Beatlesque and and that's kind of cool. It's weird that rock has gone away from that, and then hip hop is actually taking on a lot of things that rock from the seventies. That's what they did. Now rock doesn't do it, but hip hop does it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is cool. It's just cool for different people to kind of take take something from a different time period and use it. Which is you know I think it's part of the evolution of music is like people mixing genres. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I think Tyler, the creator, I forget what song it was, but he sampled something 
by um, Tame Impala, mm -hmm. yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he has some pretty cool. They're they're pretty much a proto like progressive band. Mm -hmm. One guy, but <laughs> um, but he sounds like a full band. <laughs> yeah, but but he he does this really interesting thing. You know, they it's very modern progressive, like Radiohead. It kind of like reminds me of Wilco or Radiohead. It's very progressive, um, but it's it's got that kind of surrealistic soundscape, sound mm -hmm. painting kind of thing. You know, yeah. if you're a synth head, you're like, wow, that's really cool. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a total synth fanatic, you know, I go back and I look at all kinds of synthesizers to try to figure out, like, how did they get those kind of cinematic uh, sound paintings is how I look at it. Because, <clears throat> like, a lot of stuff you can do with synthesizers kind of makes you think of scenes. Like, I think of music in scenes. I don't know if you, I think I've talked to musicians a lot and they, you tend to kind of think like a painter. Do you feel that when you write? Yeah, for sure when I write, because usually I have a specific idea or vision in mind. And then it's kind of like, okay, how can I design my sense to really paint this picture? Yeah, I think it's like sound painting is a big thing. I mean, for synthesis, you know, because if you're doing a big lush pad, you know, and it's got like all this stuff going on. You, if you're getting real technical, you don't like, oh, I got all these, I got like four LFOs doing all these things. And it's like undercurrents of like uh, more undercurrents and overcurrents and all this weird stuff going on. And it's, you know, in your mind, you're kind of seeing a picture. You know, you're seeing like, I'm seeing like some kind of space picture or some kind of scene that is like very much like a movie. But a lot of times <clears throat> when I'm trying to write something, I'm thinking of like movies. And I'm thinking of like trying to convey a feeling that that would, you know, come be in a scene. And, you know, music is is like that. To a lot of people, when you, when you write, I think it's, it, it comes from that kind of emotion. I think anytime you write something, it's coming from some kind of feeling as a creative person. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. So, um, so you have any target dates for so the, your next material that people can look forward to? Is like a lot of stuff coming into like 2022 or you have some things coming out like before the end of uh, this year? Um, so the way I've been writing is I try to release every other month. So since I released Fantasy this November, can expect my next single to come out in January. That's yeah. cool. That's that's good to have a path like that. Because mm -hmm. then you got you have people that have an expectation, you know, and then your fans will follow you. And I've been able to <clears throat> kind of be able to get like a certain core of fans because they know I'm gonna put out something on a pretty regular basis. So I, I've been able to keep like a momentum. And I think yeah. that's like, like your whole thing. Like, even if you got a small base, like oh, I want maybe like I four or five thousand people that will go and listen to one of my things. But that's like okay, if I can keep them, I try to keep them and get it to go bigger, you know. And so I try to like target to like okay, these people like this. I'm gonna keep on going that way, and it, it starts creeping up. Oh, it hit ten thousand. Oh, they really like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, that's all you can do as an artist is like, and then if you radically go do something, it's like, oh, it dropped down from 10,000 down to two. It's like, well, I guess I didn't do, they don't like that one. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of can see an immediate reaction, at least on the way the net is now. 
as a musician, you don't have to wait for like you can go and see your own metrics, you know, which is kind of cool. I think it's the, you know whether or not you want to listen to it, because sometimes you make a decision like, like I made a decision. I was getting people like to listen like ten thousand people, and suddenly I went and just said, "Well, I'm going to do something else," and I dropped down to like two. <laughs> so it's like, well, I I wanted to do that, so I was like, okay, fine, I dealt with it. <laughs> yeah, that's always tough because. On one hand, you want to obviously please your audience and give them what they want. And on the other hand, you want to keep evolving and exploring different things as a musician. So, yeah, it's like it's you have to, like, find the balance between what you like to do and what your audience likes to listen to. Yeah, and, like it's suddenly like I want to go punk out and do or like a Ramones type of thing. And everybody <laughs> was like why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, well kind of like, I like CBGBs and I like the talking heads and I like, I like, actually like the sex pistols. So it's like, okay, maybe you guys don't like that, but once in a while I got to rock out. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's kind of like where you go, it's like, it's suddenly, oh, I want to do free jazz. Well, it, you know, there's a bunch of people love free jazz, but suddenly like if your fans are like, well, I don't, I like, I like techno. And then I go do free jazz, and we're like, what's that? <laughs> you know, they're not going to get into it. But it's like, you know, you feel the need to do it, then you're going to do it. And like you said, like as a musician, like I want to do free jazz because I got a chance to play some free jazz guys. It's like, well, I'm going to do it. And whether the audience follows me or not, it's like, it's an opportunity to do something cool. And I think every musician kind of makes that decision, like case by case, where they are. So you you suddenly felt like you want this 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 R and B vibe, and that's where your head's at. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of where you're gonna go. And like, you never know where your head's gonna be like next year, or the year after that. You might go into something else. You might say, "Oh, I'm into trap. I'm gonna do trap. I'm gonna do side trance or whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into something." And you, you just you never know where your head's at. Cause you hear something, and then you can't get it out of your head, and you're like, "Whoa." You know, it's like the BJs. The BGs were like, you know, like a Beatle-like band, and then suddenly they became the defining like band of like disco. And like how, like you guys were doing like Beatle-like songs. And early BGs is like Beatles. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with disco at all. It's like very much like like Beatle, like uh, you know, it sounds like the Monkees, sounds like the Beatles, sounds like a little about this, like the Stones, and then suddenly they went and became this disco phenomenon. And you're like, wow that's very radical how they shifted but um you never know like artists can can do that they, they have like a second success they was they actually when they were very young they were super big almost like the new australian beatles and then they kind of dropped off and then they came back even bigger than they ever were and mm-hmm. you can never predict that like it was like like oh well you guys shouldn't do that and i think they had people tell them like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do this like disco stuff that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> it ended up working out. Yeah. They're like the defining band in disco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Donna Summer in, in the Bee Gees. Like, who do you think about? <laughs> That's what you think about. Right. But uh, yeah, you never know where you're going to go. Like, I think it's, like, I think your heart as a musician, you kind of go with your heart. You know, if you go with your heart, you never know. It's like it tends to be a good decision. Yeah, I agree. I felt, I kind of felt that way when writing um, my last release. Cause I was like, well, 
this is a little bit different from what I did. And one of my most, uh, well, my most streamed song is pretty much purely electronic. It's a very electronic heavy song. Mm -hmm. So then to do something that's kind of going away from that was a little bit um, yeah, hard. Yeah, it was a little bit hard, but people actually ended up liking it way more than I thought. Cause I feel like because I write songs so fast and mm -hmm. I, I still have like that every other month release schedule, I, you know, I released, I released fantasy, like what, maybe four months after I wrote it. So I kind of felt different about it. Even after I released it, I was like, yeah, you know, this was a good effort, but I'm better as a producer now, but people really liked it like way, way more than I thought. <laughs> It's weird because, like, I, I, I think as a musician, you put, you, you work on things and you got projects. I got tons of stuff in the can, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have like, I have my thing that I think is great, right? So like, and sometimes it's like, it's big. Like, there's a famous story by Prince. Prince like had so much material, right? They, they had all these guys at Warner Brothers that would go through his stuff and say, you know, this is what's really gonna do it, right? And most of the time they were right. Um, and Prince was actually wrong. <laughs> like, like he would pick the songs that didn't do well and then if he let the warner brothers guys pick it then they would do well and he would always get kind of ticked off because it's like you know, he had a song that he liked you know like one of his favorite songs was a song called crystal ball and it's like freaking like it's like 10 15 minutes long mm -hmm. it's 10 minutes sweet goes through all these key changes and it's, it's i think it's fantastic but like it's not digestible by the audience mm -hmm. and prince was like this is my thing. And then Warner Brothers is like, no, it's not. And so instead of Crystal Ball coming out, Sign of the Times came out. Everybody knows Sign of the Times. Hardly anybody knows about Crystal Ball, unless you're mm -hmm. like a fanatic, right? So so it's the kind of like, like say so you have your, your thing that you love and then you have stuff like the audience, like sometimes you put something out and it's like, you didn't think it was going to do good at all. And the thing you really like, it like it doesn't do good at all. And then the thing that you, th you were kind of iffy about and then you put it out and it's like, whoa. They actually like that one and like i didn't really like that one. <laughs> so it's kind of sometimes it's good to have somebody else help you <laughs> mm -hmm. you know like have a have a friend that you like send things to and then they they tell you like well, you might not like it but that one is actually the one you know like, really and it's like yeah, that i find that sometimes as you get older if you can get people to, to kind of help you because especially if you're an artist that creates a lot of material it's sometimes hard for an artist themselves to actually pick the right song. Right. Which is why I'm so grateful to have uh, another musician friend to bounce yeah, ideas really off good of. To have that. You've had to hold on to that person as much as you can. <laughs> <'Cause>, I <will. laughs> uh, it, it's, a, it's very good to have that. You know, the more people you can, that you trust, you know, that they actually, you feel like, okay, I, I really, I, I really think this person's opinion, I think highly of it. And, and you know when you know, when you find the person that they can they can actually take listening to all your music, <laughs> you know it's it's hard when if you're a person that creates a lot of work, you know there's a lot of people around you like your family members and your friends like they're like well I don't really get into that, right? so you have to find like a whole nother set of like musician friendly people to your work and build that like connection, and then it helps you kind of grow because if the more what I found is as an artist, the more people I can get to listen to me and give me good ne negative but positive reinforcement and feedback, 
then you grow really well. You know, you can do a lot of work. It's like getting producers for free. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, if, if you can find the people who are willing to listen to your content, you know, without making you pay, pay for them to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother thing, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm, I'm really grateful uh, for my friend. First well, I'm looking forward to this, the, the, if you guys have this duo. I'm, I'm really I'm looking forward to see what that that becomes. Yeah. So my my vocal coach. So we we've been working on covers right now, and kind of um, I guess what I can imagine is we'll we'll continue to practice a lot of duo covers, mm-hmm. and then yeah. once we get yeah once we get really strong at that, we can you know take a a chance at writing our own stuff. But what she said was um, she will kind of give us feedback about, you know, how we sound together. Mm-hmm. And so uh, last week when I had my class, she said, you know, I think you guys are ready to film yourselves singing. Well, that's cool. So, yeah. And she asked me, she was like, do you have an Instagram page? I'm like, yes. So I'm, I have a feeling that she's going to watch yeah she's gonna watch record and she's gonna be like all right take another one and then post it <laughs> yeah well that's so. cool because you guys get that way this peg bedroom festival thing we're we're gonna do this like twice to three four times a year so at mm-hmm. one point like maybe even if it's not next year or the year after we're gonna be doing this so we would love once you feel like you've got a performance you want to feel comfortable with we'd love to have you do that um on our our, our um, platform which is these festivals where we do these like three-day festivals where we have multiple bands come out and kind of do do their thing the way they want to um and it's you know it's cool to do it online um because we found a way to do it and uh eventually we are planning on doing it physically like in new york could we actually have some connections uh but once the pandemic is over we potentially could do do a physical show in new york with like multiple bands They've been on the podcast. That that's our end goal when mm. things are better. But but before things are better, we can still do it online. And we've had we got bands from like everywhere, Australia, Italy, New York, you know, Boston, they get anywhere in the country and around the world, you know. Uh, and that's kind of cool because the way the podcast has been is that we listen, we talk to anybody and talk to everybody that I think is cool. And I like all kinds of music. <laughs> so it's pretty much we got bands from Nashville, punk bands, rock bands, DJs, you know, heavy metal, psychedelic, whatever. If, if I think it's cool, then I put it on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it would be cool to see what, what what you actually develop, how you develop into this. It would be it's very interesting to me. That's why I love to keep on connecting with the people who have been on the show before. Um, and we're glad that we you were on the show again. Yeah, it was it was really great. And actually, one thing I was talking about with my friend is performing, because um, he's done concert. He plays the cello, so he's done oh, cool. like, yeah, he's done recitals and over the years, and so have I with piano. And we were talking about how we both get nervous to do them, but like when we're in it, it's not so bad. Yeah, once and, you're in it, it's weird. Like musicians, <laughs> you can be like really like, every musician that I've ever known. Getting to the stage is a lot of angst, right? Mm-hmm. All day, like in the bus or whatever, 
and you have all kinds of problems until you got on, then they get on the stage and it's like, it's okay. Now it's okay. But it's like every moment up to the time they get on the stage is like a big hassle, you know? And it's like, once they're on the stage and it's like, you, you become this other, other, I call it like the other me or the other, you know, you, you like your stage persona. Alter ego. Yeah. If you kind of like to think about like David Bowie, I always bring a Bowie. Yeah. You know, Bowie was this chameleon. Right. And he could go on stage and be Ziggy. He could be Aladdin Sane. He could be, you know, all these characters he would create. And they were kind of like this other version of himself. And you get people like Lady Gaga can do that. And even the Tory Gree, like Prince did that because Prince in real life is nothing like the the guy on stage. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he barely could, could communicate. But once he was on stage, he was like, wow, he looks so confident. But like, once he was off stage, it was like all this other stuff going on. It's like, well, he doesn't seem as confident. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's something about like, once you go on stage as a musician, that you can kind of let these things go. And the more you do it, you find that you find like yourself, this other self, this performing self that you don't have to worry about it. It becomes like this, like, you know, like muscle memory or just song memory. You just, you don't start to, you don't actually, you actually don't dread it. You like love it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm definitely looking forward to performing, um, either just me or with my friend, if we ever get to that. That would be cool. I, yeah. I, I really would love to see that because I think I, I, I do like to see how artists evolve and how they're able to get their own voice and how the music changes over time. It, it's been like a whole process to me. It's like, you know, listening to music, like reading a really good novel. And you kind of evolves and you get to all kinds of interpretations. And it's just something I really, you know, I'm a fan probably before I'm a musician. I've been a fan of like tons of different things, but um, it's great to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to your releases going into 2021 and 2022 and what what is out right now. So everybody go and check the links that I'm going to have on this podcast. So you can check out everything that's out there for you. I think I have a bunch of links. So people just click on them. And remember when you're listening to an artist, please download, please, you know, playlist, tell your friends, um, you know, actually subscribe, you know, say you like it, hit the like button. It's very important to do that. Just don't listen, do the extra step. If you really dig somebody, do that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again. And you definitely will be seeing more from me soon. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Have a good new year and happy holidays. Um, we, we don't see you until next year. Yeah, thank you. You too. Bye. Bye Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. This is Josephine Electric, the lead singer of Phantom Electric Ghost. And so Newsly, it picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time in history on the net, the web becomes listenable. Uh, So they have, um, you can browse articles and topics and choose what you want to have start playing, stop scrolling, start listening. They also have podcasts as well as you can explore trending podcasts from 40 countries. Our podcast, The Fam Electric Ghost Show with uh, Phantom is over here too on Newsly. So download the Newsly app for free now uh, 
at www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. And um, use that link in a, on the podcast and you use promo code GHOST2021. That's GHOST2021 and receive one free month premium subscription. And as, when you're at it, listen to the Anchor podcast on uh, Phantom Electric Ghost, where we interview independent artists from around the world. And um, you get to get a window behind the music of independent artists that you might not normally listen to. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Phantom Electric Ghost and Josephine Electric.